This is exactly right. Hello, listeners. This is the November bonus episode of Sitting Down with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan, and I am joined by our amazing podcast producer, Laura Rossi, who is also a twin mom, an expert in parenthood and all things related. And we are here to answer your questions. Uh, We're getting lots of intimate conversation. We invite you to keep submitting your parenting questions for consideration on a future bonus episode. We do read every question. Contact me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can email me your question to podcast at drdanpeters.com. Laura, great to see you. Lots to talk about. Hi, Dr. Dan. We sure do have a lot to talk about. Before we dive into today's questions, I once again want to thank our listeners and our community on social media The comments and the questions are incredible, and you all wow us every month, every week. And I didn't think it was possible, but the comments and questions just keep getting more complex and more helpful to our listeners. Mm -hmm, As we mm -hmm. go along, I feel that the closeness of our community um, just continues to build. So it's it's just remarkable and a real privilege to know all the parents here and I know that um, through the Wondery bonus episodes, you know, we have a really tight knit family of listeners. So Mm -hmm. I want to thank everybody because, um, you know, we really, we do read all the questions and all the comments and we appreciate them so much. And we are all in this together. Uh, We learn, we learn as we do this as well. And um, as you guys all see, you are not alone with the questions that uh, relate to so many of us on the parenting and human journey. Absolutely. So we have a few very important, uh, timely questions this month, you know, around the holiday concept and topic. And we also have some breaking news items that we're going to talk about after um, the general listener questions. So for November, I put out a call for questions and I knew I'd get something on the holiday. So here we are with question number one. This came in on a DM on our Instagram account, which is at Parent Footprint Podcast. Hi, Dr. Dan. The holiday season is here. We can finally see family in person, but everyone is out of state and all the grandparents, relatives on both sides are demanding they get Christmas. I feel my inner Grinch waking up. Any advice? And before Dan answers, I just want to note that we are recording this episode on November 17th. So -hmm. this will air right after Thanksgiving. We air all of our episodes uh, for the the bonus episodes the last Tuesday of every month. So we're going to say Thanksgiving's already happened when you're listening to this. But Dr. Dan, can you generalize this to any holiday, Hanukkah, New Year's, Easter, or Thanksgiving next year? Assuming we can all travel again, assuming COVID is somewhat being handled by vaccines and protocols of things like masking. Yes, and everyone's own personal comfort, as we know that uh, that varies um, from person to person, family to family, and region to region. So, yes, this applies to all holidays. Um, 
first, we have to take a step back and understand how our extended family and family abroad and elderly family, particularly grandparents, great aunts, great uncles, have really uh, missed out on family. Um, in many cases, you know, older population are being more conservative and um, have really buckled down for safety. And so holidays, as we all know, is that time, that, that tradition, that ritual to get together and everyone's uh, excited, our family as well, like when are we going to do the big family thing and where is it going to be and who can make it? And so I think the first thing is just for us to realize this is a completely valid request um, and desire to be together. And yes, it, for the person asking the question and everyone listening who's in a similar situation, it puts you in a very challenging situation because you can only be in one or two places. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, right? <laughs> True. So I think it's about communication and triage. Communication. We really want to see you. We really want to see all of our family. We are getting pulled in a lot of directions and we are trying to figure out how to do the most we can in a limited amount of time and with what's reasonable. So I think it's about first validating how, it, how much you want to see them, um, assuming that's true. Uh, and maybe if it's not totally true, you can make the call how to go about that. But <laughs> um, I'm trying not to yeah. laugh at that, Dan. <laughs> That's another all different topic complexities of families, right? Exactly. Right, right. Stay tuned for that one. Um, so I think you want to validate because you know it's it's a totally reasonable ask. And then I think you need to go into yourself with your family with your partner, if you have a partner or spouse, and really think about what are the priorities. And priorities might be with people who are older, with people who are ailing, with people that you're not sure you're going to have that opportunity again, or with people that have very, you have, or your kids have very, very close relationships to, and you know that that is a really needed connection that has been long overdue. Because in reality, all family relationships are not created equally. Like if we're just honest, there are some that are closer. There are some that we think we're going to have more time with. And again, I just feel you got to stand in your integrity and be completely honest, do your best, and um, know you still are going to um, unintentionally piss people off. That's that's real and that's honest. And I'm sitting here thinking about our situation, which, you know, some family members are a drive away, some are not. And I wonder if I can just put in a little added question, which is should, should the core family, so, you know, you and your partner and your kids, should you be trying to maybe kind of come up with your decision first? You know, what do we think is mm -hmm. the right thing to do in terms of, um, like you said, not every grandparent is getting younger. <laughs> you no know, right. grandparents are getting right. younger is really no. the, the correct way no. to say that. And so maybe just internally, these are some of our goals, but we're going to remain open um, to kind of that right. conversation with the, with that's the larger a great, family. That's a great question. I think there's a, f a few ways to go about it. One is, and it depends, of course, on the age of your kids um, and how much um, it's always great to get input. Um, even with younger kids, except if you know you're going to disappoint them, you don't want to open that thing up. But particularly with middle-aged, um, high school, college, like, yeah, they definitely, you want them as part of the conversation. You could 
talk to your spouse first and basically say, hey, here, what, what are we thinking? And see where you're landing. Then you talk to your kids and see, hey, we're trying to make some decisions and um, we just want to know what you guys think. So we have that to consider as well. And there might mm-hmm. be like, again, with your older kids too, you might really not know where to land. Like you might have an idea and you just say, hey, we just want to have a discussion about this and then, um, and then we'll make a decision. You know, like it, 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 it can right. go, you can lead with where you know you're going or you can not have really an idea and wait to see what your kids say to see how much that might influence or it or not. And the other thing that I've found in my family in situations like this and, and other is if we're honest about all the factors that we're considering and we can also be honest with we understand why you guys want to do this and we actually want to as well. But because so-and-so is getting older, is not feeling, hasn't been feeling well, um, we're not sure how much time, we feel it's really important to not have regrets and to make this connection. And most of the time when we acknowledge, hey, you're not, I know you're not going to like this decision and we really have heard you, but this is why, it's a much different response than just coming and saying, ah, we're going to do this. doesn't matter what you guys think. Right. I, I thought this was such an important question. And I'm glad we, we kind of unpeeled a few more layers of it because we've all sort of navigated the opposite of yearning and pining for family. And now that it's upon us, it's really complex. It, you know, people don't want feelings to get hurt, you know, with sort of nuclear and then sort of wider larger family members and everyone's expectations feel really high. And so as I thought about this question, you know, I thought that particularly, you know, for kids um, that are little, that memories have not been made. Some of these, you know, younger kids have not spent much time with their grandparents. So this is another moment that, again, Mm -hmm. as the producer of this show, looking at with a longer lens, uh, a gift of what we've navigated going into is it really year three of sort of (laughs) this COVID world? So um, it's just, again, redefining, being honest, being real, and um, all of the values that we kind of talk about from the parent footprint community. It's it's sort of all wrapped up into this question. And let me add one thing that as you're talking, it's helping me think this through more is, um, you know, those holidays are important rituals. And yet, without minimizing them, they're just another day. So if you have to go somewhere for Hanukkah or Christmas and you are not going to see other people that either you want to see very badly or they want to see you very badly, plan a trip for January, right? It's like, it's just, it, it might not feel the same to everyone, but really what we're talking about is human connection um, is what's most important and relationship if you can't do the ritual with everyone. All right. I'm going to give a wrap up sentence now too, (laughs) which is we have learned that we could survive the hard things over these last several holiday seasons. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, the unthinkable happened. We got through it. Okay. And now we have a chance to redefine how we look at tradition, family, time together. And again, just lessons, silver lining, whatever you want to call it. But a this is even helping me. I hadn't quite thought about all of these things. And when, when I saw this great question, I realized, you know, there's a joke in there about the inner Grinch, but it's, it's a lot bigger of an issue that we're all confronting right. that no one can just sort of turn back time and be where we were a few years ago. Right. You know, practically as well as just, 
you know, I know families that were on a really tight schedule and that schedule evaporated. Nobody even knows whose turn it was to host, for example. So it feels like um, our listener was was right on the same page as us when I put out the call for questions. So let's move on to number two and make sure we give um, this dad who wrote in time to hear some Dr. Dan advice and wisdom. This came in via email and the subject line just said from a jealous dad. Hi, Dan. I'm actually jealous of how much my kids bond with their mom versus me. Am I alone? That was it. Whole question. You are so not alone. I think this is a really common issue. I know that there have been times um, in my family that I felt the same way, particularly when our kids were younger and mostly wanted mom for most things. <laughs> so, yeah. So first, normalize this. This happens a lot. Um you know, there is a very special biological, physiological, spiritual, emotional bond between mother and child. And it's just different. It's just different. It doesn't mean that dads aren't important. It doesn't mean that we can't still have very meaningful relationships. But it's different and pretend depending on the age of your child and especially the temperament of your child, those bonds can be very deep. And even at times we call them enmeshed, like almost like, over, it's like overly. Um, and it's hard for the dad, for the dad that really wants to be involved, right? There's a lot of dads who I don't think mind that because it gives them more time to do things and they may not be oriented in the same <laughs> nurturing sort of way, if we're being honest. But there are a lot of dads like you, jealous dad, who I totally relate to, I mean, you care. And you're wanting that connection and you're wanting to be like, hey, let's go out and play. No, I want to be with mom. Oh, no, no. Let me, I'll get you a snack. No, I want it from mom. Oh, hey, let me, I'll put you down for your nap or to go to sleep. No, I want mom. That is hard. What, what What I will say is try, so a few things. One is to look at the long haul because there's lots of time to forge the relationships and the relationships do change as your kids go through different developmental stages, um, depending on age, depending on gender, depending on interest, depend like it just all changes over time. So try to remember that. Um, and looking at the really long haul, um, Dr. Kenneth Ginsburg, who we've had a few amazing podcasts with, um, a resilience and teenager expert, he talked about remembering that your relationship with your kids, um, or excuse, your kids is much shorter than your relationship with your kids as adults. <laughs> so there's a there's a whole other, whole other thing out there. But I know that's not helpful right at this moment. So then the other thing is to just try to carve out your own special time in trying to recognize what are the things that that child or your children do seek you out for. And right now, it might not be those big connection points you're looking for. It might have to be when they're completely regulated, they're doing something that they see you as an expert in or fun in, and it could be time limited, and it could be when mom is doing something else so they're not you distracted by mom. But just try to do those touch points and do your best to, I think, have grace for your jealousy because that's the love that you have and what you want to have with your kid. Um, so have some grace for yourself and just look for those opportunities and know this is a constantly changing relationship over time. That's very reassuring. And I, I'm just quietly listening to that that big feeling of jealousy is a big feeling of love and caring. And that that's really coming from 
a positive place. And mm-hmm. so that, again, we've really created a place. I'm hoping our listeners feel safe. And this question, yeah. I think, um, exemplifies that perfectly totally. because we are maybe, you know, putting things out there anonymously, but we're putting them out there truthfully. And mm-hmm. I, I do hope Jealous Dad realizes it's also loving, great, kind, and caring dad. Yes. And one thing I might say to all of you fabulous listeners is when you are sending us questions, they are perfect as is. But if you want to get into, hey, my kid or kiddos are this age, or you know, this is where I am in my parenting journey, there are yeah. ways we can be yeah. really specific with our answer. Yeah. We always want to kind of cover all the stages and ages because I think even now, as I'm parenting teens that are going to not be teens for much longer, I'm hearing things that I can learn from this. And then folks with toddlers are hearing probably um, different pieces of wisdom in this. So thank you, Jealous Dad and Dr. Dan, who was a Jealous Dad. Yes, yes, (laughs) I have been there. And again, I always get more while I'm listening to you talk. So uh, one more thing to say, and I'm putting my clinical hat on here as I'm in my office thinking about all the families that I've worked with, with this uh, also, this is a component. So again, really to normalize this is you probably have done this, but talk to your partner about it. Um, because I've seen all different types of situations. There is a situation where, um, mom in this case is, you know, completely overwhelmed with meeting child's needs. And sometimes it can be a very needy or special needs child and isn't able to see this dynamic going on. Um, there are, and so some of the times there's a mom that's like, oh gosh, like, yeah, I want to help. Like, I want to help force this relationship. I think this will be great for all of us. And there are other times when even when you have the conversation, there is just an entrenched relationship between mother and child. And it's there, you don't, there's not a lot of wiggle room or there might not even be a lot of desire on the mom's side to let someone else in for a variety of reasons. So it really should start with a conversation so you can gauge awareness of your partner of like, are they, you know, first to, to express your needs in a healthy way. Secondly, do they see it the same way you do? Can you guys problem solve together? Are, is your partner being receptive or not so much? And if it's, you know, not so much, it's always good to talk to like, get some parent consultation, right? Like you, so like your, this matters, uh, this matters for your relationship. It matters for your relationship with your kids. So, um, just start with a conversation, but, um, I always encourage people to seek a consultation if it could be helpful with the neutral party. Wow. This perfect moment of sitting down with Dr. Dan. And and I know I speak for everyone listening, including myself and our audio engineer, Phil, that when you put on your clinical hat, it is just so powerful. And the honesty there is making me even think, okay, there are normalizing things such as sometimes mom is the one with the rules and the do this and handle the homework and make sure you're brushing your teeth and flossing and, and dad, I'm using these terms really generally, you know, and Mm -hmm. and not, they don't have to be specific. I know every relationship looks different, but there's a fun parent. And then the maybe kind of you're the bossy parent. And so there, these feelings can be normalized across 
both for sure. roles. For and, sure. Um, yeah. That's where the clinical hat stuff comes in, people. Take notes. <laughs> Dr. Dan's giving us his wisdom. Okay. So the banter today has been really wonderful. And so I'm going to make an awkward transition to what we sadly have saved some airtime today to discuss which is heavy stuff. Um, I am going to issue a trigger warning as well, but we are going to now move into discussing the recent tragic, what we're calling breaking college news because it happened this week, the week that we're recording the episode. So the trigger warning is that we are about to discuss a mass shooting, homicide, and death. This week, there was a fatal shooting at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville that resulted in the deaths of three football players that were killed by a former team member who is a current student, he also injured two other students, and he is now in police custody. Custody, And almost at the same exact time, miles away, there was a brutal murder of four students in an off-campus apartment situation at the University of Idaho. Um, that case has no suspect or arrest at the time of this recording, and that was a very brutal murder. The fact that two college campuses are dealing with this monumental loss at the same time and just before Thanksgiving when we're recording this is very difficult for all of us. Violence ripples and has a ripple effect and we are all touched by the deaths of these bright young special individuals. So Dr. Dan, I, I know we've really helped guide people over the years on topics like this, but mm -hmm. I thought today it would be really helpful on our bonus episode mm -hmm. to just divide this up into two questions and two categories. So the first, and then I'm going to let you speak without interrupting, is um, to offer some advice for students, college-age students, or even younger that are hearing about this. In particular, just giving us um, as parents an overview about dealing with trauma, complex emotions, how to move forward, how to deal with grief, you know, what does the word support mean and community? Mm -hmm. What about returning to normal therapy? Are there any warning signs that parents might need to act on? And then I think we should spend a tiny bit of time before we wrap up today talking about the actual parents, because of course, parents and colleges first and foremost need to deal with our young people, our sons and daughters and help them, let them know yeah. that we're there for them. But the adults yeah. are not immune and there are worries and anxieties that parents are also going through. And as we say on our show, dealing with our own selves and mental health makes us better and makes us be able to be the parent we want to be. So without violating any confidential information, I'm going to turn this over to you by just saying that um, out of these two recent nightmares, one hits very close to home mm -hmm. for our own personal Parent Footprint podcast yeah. team. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. So I, I think we need to, for all the reasons you said, I think we need to start with parents and work our way back to the kids because the parents are the ones listening. The parents are the ones who are going to be providing support, um, however we define that, to our kids, uh, both who are touched personally by this, um, those who are in similar situations, and those who are just younger and hear about it and are scared about these possibilities. So, yeah, you and I are, have kids in this age range, and um, it's really unthinkable. And I find myself going through different levels of coping, which um, goes to, okay, this happened, I heard about it, and it's still out there somewhere else with these names of people that I don't know and I don't know much about. And that keeps it like 
at bay. I think that the shock, the fear, the, the trauma, the grief, and then you start reading and you watch videos and now you're seeing pictures with names and they're doing all the things that your kids are doing and that we have done most of many of us in college, um, at a lake house in their room, getting ready to go out, just happy pictures. Um, and it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. So the first thing I think, okay, so we have to remember that fear and a traumatic response and grief and numbness, that is all a normal human experience to these atrocities and unthinkable acts. So we just have to first, I think, allow the natural feelings to come and to cycle while being aware that this is not something that we're just supposed to be easily process and move on. And now saying that, we have to also be aware that different people have very different responses. So some people go into shock. Some people go into repression or denial, right? They just kind of compartmentalize, like just like put it somewhere and keep on moving and aren't really ready to process or talk. Um, other people act inappropriately at la like so it's like a, a, a nervous laughter response is something that happens a lot to tragedy which really upsets other people but just know like this is the nervous system trying to make sense of something um, that again is not easy to comprehend so I think first we have to just have awareness and openness and acceptance to there's many ways that people deal with this. And particularly if you have a partner, your partner might be dealing it with it, with it very differently. Um, and, and, and we have to, again, I just think acknowledge, it doesn't mean that someone doesn't care or is taking it seriously, but there are people who lose the most important person in their life and don't cry until a year later, right? Like there's many different ways of going through grief and sadness and trauma. So then we have to think about, oh gosh, like, what are we going to do? Like our kids are out there. Like, first of all, we have young kids who are going to schools and those kids get shot. Um, we have kids in college who um, these bad things happen to. We have to try to ground ourselves whenever possible to be in the present moment and just take some deep breaths. And for those of the majority of people whose kids are okay and our hearts go out to the unfathomable situation of the families of these young adults. To everyone else, your kids are okay right now. And we have to get grounded in the present. Our kids are okay right now. Those of you who have kids at these campuses have been texting, wow. have been calling, have been FaceTiming. Those of you who have kids in other campuses, I'm sure you're in touch with them too. Right. I mean, yeah. as, a, as a whole, we're actually yeah. in touch with our kids too much, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but this is where it comes in yes. handy, right? This technology yes. comes in handy. And so your kids are okay right now. 
and you, I want you to all to try to stay present right now because you're going to have plenty of time for later for the what ifs. Well, what if that was my kid? And what if um, this happens on my kid's campus? And right, I, I'd like you to table that because right now it's about being in the present moment. And later when we move through this a little more, you can have those conversations with um, your spouse, your family, um, other people, your kids, about how they're feeling about things, how safe do they feel. And we are living in a reality where call it this situation. I mean, we did that radio spot, Laura, several years ago with the Santa Barbara terrible mm -hmm. situation. Like, like this is unfortunately not new. Um, it right. just is happening more. And when it happens in close proximity, it's just even worse. So part of this is ultimately living in the uncertainty that we have. But as I'm, as I'm talking about, like, I think that's a later conversation because right now when we're dealing with traumatic situations and traumatic fear, we have to be grounded with the, we're okay right now. My kid is okay right now. Now, continuing on parents, people process differently, as I mentioned. So if you're someone that really needs to talk, talk. If you have someone who doesn't is more internalized and needs time to stew on this and can get overwhelmed by other people's emotions, that needs to be respected and you might need to find someone else to emote to. And it doesn't mean that anyone's wrong or right. People have different ways of going about this. Um, often, talking to family, talking to friends is enough. But if you find that you can't stop thinking about the event, now we're going into traumatic responses. You can't stop thinking about the event. You are finding yourself really hypervigilant and having continual sort of panic responses and anxious responses. And your, your, your neuro, your physiology is just wired and revved. You're finding yourself that you're avoiding situations or things that remotely remind you of this tragedy. And all of these things over time, including some like numbing and what we call dissociating, if it is more than a temporary situation because again a lot of these things are natural human responses to trauma that's when it's important to seek help um and mm -hmm. getting the right mm -hmm. kind of help particularly for trauma like emdr is one of the therapies um it could be very short term and it could be really effective so reach out if you're really in a high level of distress for longer than you should be or you're having a loved one or partner who you think is now, I'm gonna just going to keep going and then, is yep, that all right? Please. Okay, because... Okay, um, this is okay. where, you know, we, we're just all soaking mm -hmm. this up and, and are thankful to have your expertise. And So now with our kids, and I'm now I'm going to talk about college-age students, the people who are at these universities or at several other or similar universities. First thing again, going back to parent... You really need to do your best to put a lid on your own level of anxiety and fear to ascertain how your kid is doing without putting it on your child. Because when we are really dysregulated and emotional, it's hard to contain it. Our kids are, have always been very sensitive to us and absorb at a conscious or non-conscious level. So if you were really wanting to be the parent to check in with our kid, to give our kids space, 
to see how they're doing and to listen, we have to check our stuff at the door. And if you're not ready to do that, maybe have a partner or someone else check in or do a text or do something where you can contain it. Um, because what you're really wanting to see is what level, how your child is and what level of support they may or may not need. Now, again, some kids go into denial compartmentalization mode, um, which um, more of that egocentric mode, which is very normal for this developmental age of a um, teenager or young adult. And if they go there, that's their coping skill. You don't need to peel that thing apart. Yeah, mom, I'm fine. Yeah, like that didn't happen at my campus. I'm good. Like we're in a safe place. Like that, this stuff is this stuff is so rare. Like the it's terrible, but the odds of it happening are so low. So just chill out. That's coping, <laughs> right? On the other, so 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 I would let that be. Um, doesn't mean they'll stay there, but you let that be right now. If you have a child who's really fearful, listen. Ask some questions, but be there for them. Listen. Don't do a lot of talking. Don't go straight into problem solving and talking them out of it. Um, for example, like, yes, sweetie, I know this is super scary, but your college is five states away. The likelihood of the, like, there is going to be a time for that. But first, listen to how they're feeling so they can get off their chest what they need to get off their chest. And you can ask some questions. How long have you been feeling this way? What's making you feel this way? How long has it been? Is it affecting your sleep? Are you talking to people? Um, how can I help? Is there anything I can do? Then you can go to what we call the cognitive behavioral, like try to challenge some what we call might be irrational thoughts. For example, and, and I even say this, irrational is... I don't know if that's even the right thing to say because is it irrational to worry that someone's going to come on your college campus a couple states away and do the same thing? I don't think that's irrational. I think it's a low probability event. And once we let a child talk and if we think there's an opening to try there there's an opening to try to settle them in and give them some information, it would still be this is terrible. This is unthinkable. And yes, this is a very low probability event. And it's just like all of the other tragedies we have talked about over the Sadly. years. Sadly, yes. right? It's a low probability event. And so it's then moving them towards going back through the motions of life as long as they feel safe. Now, there are situations, mm. particularly with students who are on these campuses, and students particularly who are were friends with these people, they might be having significant emotion, understandable emotional responses. And that, of course, is we want to get those people in therapy, in grief work, in trauma work right away. And having known lots of people and worked with lots of people who've had um, significant loss, sometimes, I just want to open this up, Sometimes a medical leave is needed. In extreme situations, if someone is having trouble sleeping, if someone is having post-traumatic stress and they are having trouble functioning and then trying to function and meet all their school obligations is completely overwhelming them and making it worse, 
it is completely normal to have a medical leave when you have just lost or been witness to directly or indirectly a atrocious, gruesome loss like this. I'm just nodding my head, which I know you I'm are nodding your head. See, but yes, yes. Thank you for that incredibly comprehensive answer and explanation. And um, I will say, listening to you, that I don't know the right word to use, but I do think that there's a benefit that some of these students are coming home for the holidays, either mm -hmm. Thanksgiving mm -hmm. or for winter break, where parents and families can be there in person with them and get eyes on them. Mm -hmm. And um, like you said, these things don't sort of just like disappear magically. If right. your child's dealing with something, have faith that, you, you know, hopefully there's a time coming as the fall winds down the fall semester that you'll be able to be with your child or you mm -hmm. know, young adult. So I yeah. really feel like that's a, again, we talk about silver linings, but it's good that maybe kids have a break coming up either in November or if not coming up mm -hmm. in December. It is. And, um, this is such, you know, heavy stuff. I I'm thinking it is. I'm also thinking for those who have kids who have already been dealing with anxiety and worked on their anxiety and, or either have been doing great with it away or semi-struggling or intermittently struggling, this, of course, depending on the person's situation, can trigger that anxiety again. And when you have been fortunate enough to have a healthcare provider as part of the team, you might have a child who has dealt with anxiety who is really afraid and is saying, I don't want to go back. And this is a really great situation because depending on the person's situation, it might be really important that they go back if they're not in danger and if they're going to use their tools and have support. And conversely, it could be a situation again, which topples this over and that person might need a break. So this is like, this is, it's, it's just you're trying to just get a gauge of a person's mental health and coping and resilience and a lapse of the of coping and resilience would be normal for particularly for someone who has had trauma or has someone who has dealt with anxiety um, in their life and temperamentally. And again, that's when look to your guide, look to the licensed professional, look to the other person on the team to help navigate this and try not to act in fear because what COVID has taught us is there's lots of different timelines these days and kind of those timelines go out the window. And, you know, when you're 26 or 36 or 46 or 56 or beyond, no one cares how long it took you to get through college or no one cares your G <laughs> nope. GPA. Nobody cares how many colleges you went to. Um, and for those people who don't go to college or don't finish and are working, no one cares. It's who you are, what you do and how you live your life. That's clapping. Yes, I, I will say bravo to that. And and each response, as I'm hearing you talk, Dan, is as individual as the individual. So yes. yeah. I, I think that that's terrific advice um, as we are, you know, looking at winding down 2022 soon and starting a new year and um, a lot of good and 
very solid advice. So thank you, Dr. Dan. Thank you, Laura, for always bringing these uh, wonderful questions and keeping us connected to our community and getting us our amazing guests, of course, as well. We will try to pivot to uh, to being positive, but I have to say, yeah, this is heavy, heavy stuff, and uh, it's real. And uh, for all of us, we need to vacillate between the real world and also the imaginary happy place, and hopefully some uh, imaginary happy places in the holidays with family. And um, for those that aren't so happy with the holidays and the family, which is also normal, do your best to get through it. We have some previous episodes on those. <laughs> okay. <Yes>. So, <laughs> show, check the show yeah. notes. <laughs> yeah. All right, Laura, that's another one. Um, everyone, thank you for listening. Again, please keep sending the questions. We so appreciate your five-star reviews and, and bringing people to the community, all these like-minded individuals trying to be the best people that you can each day, doing your best to raise amazing human beings. We are all human. We are all fallible. We are all growing. Every day is a new day. Every moment's a new moment. So let's just keep on trying and let's get through this year and uh, the holidays. And uh, before we know it, we have a new year to uh, look out to. Do your best to be that person you want your child to become. And of course, ask yourself that question. What footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Mountain Spring High, composed and performed by Gabriel Lewis. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.